Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to Sowing Hope. I am Bill Snyder, and it's great to be with you this evening. Thank you so much for being a part of our ministry to sow hope into broken hearts. I uh, want to give you a quick reminder that you can always head over to our website, which is patchworkheart.org, to learn a little bit more about our ministry and what we do. Uh, so please go over to patchworkheart.org, of course, not while you're driving or listening to this uh, while running on a treadmill, but later at night when you're at home. Head over to our website and please check it out. Uh, one of the first things you're going to see when you head over there is a uh, link for the uh, for the Fearless Scriptural Rosary. If you put your email address in there, you're going to get a uh, free PDF download to download the Fearless Scriptural Rosary. It pops right up on the screen. So please go over and do that and get that rosary because it's important uh, as uh, we are, um, you know, in these COVID times and uh, living in, you know, some uncertainty, anxiety, fear, all of those things. So, Anne, welcome to the program as always. Uh, Anne DeSantis, my co-host, is always here. Anne, how are you this evening? Oh, I'm great, Bill. Always good to be here, and I'm excited about this show. Likewise, likewise. Uh, we have a wonderful guest. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Yes, we have Father Justin Freeman. He is a Mercedarian friar. He's stationed at uh, uh, our. He was stationed in Cleveland, Ohio, and so excited to have you here with us, Father. Please uh, come into this conversation. We are so excited to have you here with us. Coming from Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Cleveland, Ohio. Father, just click that unmute button there. Uh, he is still muted, but uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's I'm with sure us. he'll be here with us in a second. <laughs> yes. So it's awesome to have him as a guest because, as a lot of our listeners know, is that I am the director for a foundation called the St. Raymond Onatsis Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. And we were formed through a religious order, and that it's the Mercedarians, and that's uh, who is with us tonight is one of one of the friars uh, coming to us. I think he's back again. <laughs> there he I'm is. Here. I'm here. Oh, oh great, Father. Hi, Ann. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Hi. Um, yeah. As Ann said, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio right now. I'm stationed at, with the community of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. It's a little Italian parish on the west side of Cleveland. But my primary ministry is um, as the Catholic chaplain of the county hospital here in Cleveland. Um, it's called Metro Health Medical Center. Um, it has around 875 beds. Um, it's a um, level one trauma center, meaning that the most severe accidents and traumas from maybe a hundred mile radius, they go to this particular hospital. And um, so it's a very um, exciting place. No day is the same. 
I'm sure that you're a very busy person and you're always praying for the people that you meet there and those who are going through so many difficult times with their health, all the people who are, uh, you know, suffering from some kind of condition or accidents, whatever it may be. So we thank you so much, Father, for the work that you're doing for those people. And I also just want to lift up a prayer for them and, and let them know that we're praying for them here at Patchwork Heart Ministry and also the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation, because we really do care about those people uh, who we minister to and who you minister to, because uh, the fact that you're a mercenary and friar and I'm the director of this foundation, we're all uh, somewhat connected, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. So we um, care about all those people who are just uh, suffering in some way, especially during these COVID times, as Bill said. Uh, during some of our other podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Father, I, I would love to get your take, I mean, on on the pandemic. I mean, just from the spiritual side of it, I mean, have you been dealing with it in the hospital? Um, well, I, I I just started working. I, I, I was in hospital ministry when I was newly ordained. I've been ordained 10 years. I was ordained in 2010 um and then um I, so for the first five years of my priesthood i i worked in the hospital um in the same hospital i work now and then um i worked in parishes for five years i worked in leroy new york at two parishes there and then at st pete beach florida at, at a, um, a parish there and, and now i'm back um and, and so I started at the end of May of this year and that really at the height of the pandemic. And um, w during that time, um, you know, things were very stressful in the hospital. It, there was a there was kind of even when you walked in the hospital it was kind of a, a very tense atmosphere, particularly in those units that were designated as um, COVID units. Um, when we, um, when the hospital, when, when the um, pandemic first began, the hospital designated certain units of the hospital to be COVID units. And um, these, these units were filled and, and the, the staff had to take special precautions in order to um, um, care for these people. Uh, these 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 patients and and so it was a very stressful time at the hospital um and, and really the worst thing about it was that many of these patients were alone um the there were no visitors allowed um and, and so the only interaction that these patients that these covid patients had were with um medical personnel um, they were allowed to communicate with their patient, with their family members through Skype or through Zoom or through other, you know, media platforms, but um, they weren't allowed to visit their families face to face. And so in addition to being sick and in addition to having a illness, which very few people knew about, I think the worst part of it was the loneliness that people experience during COVID and the um, the loneliness that people are still facing because of COVID because there, there's a um, I think I think the the fear that people have 
the fear that people are exhibiting during this um, pandemic is probably worse than the pandemic itself. And, and, and the fear and the anxiety, um, I, in my opinion, more problems than the pandemic itself. Thank you for sharing. I can't even imagine. I thank you so much, Father, for the great work that you're doing by ministering to those people. You know, as Catholics and as Christians, we are called to love and we are called to have mercy and, and make outreach to those people who are really suffering. So you're doing a great job with that. And I know that that fourth charism of the Mercedarian order is to make outreach to those who are in danger of losing their faith. Um, and I'm sure that we're going to get into that too during this during this podcast. We've had so many other Mercedarians here as guests on Sewing Hope, and I also invite uh, others to come on. We're always loving to have all those other priests and religious to come on as guests and share with us. So um, I wondered if you could share also, Father, with us your own uh, story, your own faith story, your vocation story. We would absolutely love to hear it. Um, okay, well, I grew up in, um, I, I was born in a small town in Virginia, about an hour and a half from Washington, D.C. It's a small town called Catlett of about 300 people. And um, I, I, I lived there up until um, I was in middle school. And then when I was in middle school, my, my parents moved, we, my family moved to the um, immediate suburbs of Washington, D.C. Um, and we moved to a town called Falls Church and it's about seven miles from D.C. So, um, and I, I, I attended public school there. Um, I'm a convert to the faith. I, I, I grew up in a, a small evangelical church called the Church of Christ. Have, have you all heard of it? I've heard of it, but I don't know a whole lot about it. Yeah, well, it was founded in the nineteen, uh, the 1820s, and it was founded um, by an Irish Presbyterian minister. And um, he was tired of all the divisions within Christianity, um, you know, particularly in Ireland. And so he, he said, you know, I want to, we need to get the church back to the, to the Bible and to the primitive way of living the gospel. So he, um, he, he, he founded this church with a purpose, with, with the intent of not establishing a church. He, he just wanted to gather all Christians into one under the Bible. And so he, he founded this church and it's called the Church of Christ. Um, it's a very, um, there are different, um, different groups within it just like any other Protestant group. Um, you have a very conservative branch, a very, and a very liberal branch as well. Um, and, um, but, but I grew up in the more conservative branch, which is very, very um, fundamentalist and very um, evangelical. Um, they, 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 for instance, they, they don't practice infant baptism. They, um, they believe in a, a literal interpretation of, of the Bible um, to, to the point where many ministers believe that God created the world in six 24-hour days and, and, and so forth. Um, 
and um, they're very strict when it comes to morality, no drinking or dancing or, or smoking. Um, so it's a very even, um, very fundamentalist group, um, very anti-Catholic in many ways. Um, and and I, I became, I, I was introduced to the Catholic faith through a good friend of mine. And I, I was drawn to the faith because um, the, the Church of Christ focused on um, the early church. Their, um, their, their primary focus is, is to um, restore the early church. And I, be, and I just began to believe that the Catholic church was the, the original church founded by, by Christ. And so I converted when I was um, 16 or 17 years old. Wow, that, that's an incredible story. And I know there's a lot more to it. So thank you for sharing so far. Uh, and, and I just commend you too that, you know, at that early age of your life of 16 or 17, that the Holy Spirit came upon you and, uh, you know, nudged you to sort of make a change in your life toward becoming a Catholic. So what happened after that? Because I know obviously you're a, a Mercedarian friar now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, well. uh, and we wonder how that all came about and would love to hear. Yeah, well, um, well, after that, I, I went to a small state school in Virginia. Um, it's called Longwood College. It's um, it, it's just outside of Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, and I, I went to that school because it's a because it was a state school, but it was very it was small. It only about four thousand students, um, in a in a small town. So very few distractions. Um, I, it, I I went I went to I went to Longwood. Um, I graduated with a degree in political science, and then I went to um, the for um, I, I then worked a little bit. Um, I worked for a um, lobbying firm in in Washington D.C. Um, this lobbying firm focused on. Um, energy policy, com, um, communication, um, and policy, and um, and they they lobbied for Indian tribes. Um, so I worked for um, this lobbying firm for a little while, and then I went to um, grad school. I went to the University of Dallas, um, which is a um, a Catholic university, and I studied political science. And after um, grad school, I entered the Mercedarian Order in 2003. Wow, what an amazing story. I never knew that, Father. So it's, it's interesting for me, and I'm sure for everyone who's uh, with us here on the podcast. Uh, tell us also about the Mercedarians. I mean, I'm familiar because, as you know, and as a lot of people know who are listening, uh, I'm the director for one of the Mercedarian uh, nonprofits. It's called the St. Raymond Onassis Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. And uh, you can learn about us at our website at nonatis.org, where we help families in crisis, uh, especially those who are affected by divorce and separation. And one of your own friars is kind of working with me. His name is Father Ken Breen. And I know you know him, Father. And uh, he's our spiritual moderator for the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation. 
And we've done a lot of work helping those families who have undergone some kind of family breakup to let them know that, you know, God cares and wants you to stay with the Catholic Church and cares enough to listen and to help you through this difficult time. So uh, that fourth charism of the order is to uh, make outreach, right? To give our lives for those who are in danger of losing their faith. And that's what we try to do too with this foundation. I know that you do that every day. <laughs> you do that every day, you know, those who are in danger of losing their faith. So tell us more about the, uh, about the Mercedarian order. And I just want to tell people that they can go to orderofmercy.org to learn about the Mercedarians. And I would suggest that they do that. Yeah, well, um, the Mercedarian order um, is a small order, but it's a very old, a very, a very ancient order. We, um, two years ago, we celebrated our eight, 100th anniversary. So we were founded in 1218. Um, we were founded in Barcelona, Barcelona Spain by um, a, a merchant named Peter Nolasco, St. Peter Nolasco. And um, during this time, you know, if you know Spanish history, the Iberian Peninsula, you know, what, what, what is modern day Portugal and Spain? Um, this area was a, a constant battleground between um, Muslims and Christians. Muslims and Christians were at were in a, a state of constant warfare at this time. There were some some territory was Christian, some territory was um, Muslim, and both sides were um, fighting to gain more territory. And um, in the midst of these battles, in the midst of these conflicts, um, prisoners or slaves would often be taken captive by Muslims. And then they would be taken from Spain, taken from the Iberian Peninsula and other places in Europe. And they would be, be transported into Muslim territory. Um, you know, what, 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 what is modern day Southern Spain, like around Granada, that area and northern Africa, Algeria, Morocco, um, that area, and they would be taken captive by by the Muslims, and they would be be slaves. And um, the the Mercedarian, or oftentimes these um, Christians, they would be they would end up converting to Islam in order to improve their conditions or because life was just so difficult for them that that things became a little bit easier if they converted to Muslims, so um, to the Islamic faith. So um, the Mercedarians were founded to, to go and redeem these Christian captives to keep them from losing their faith in God, and to, to keep them from losing their faith in their Christian faith. So um, the Mercedarians would raise money to redeem them, um, but oftentimes they were unable to acquire the money or perhaps the money didn't come in. So, um, or the money was late in coming, uh, you know, anything could, a variety of things happen. So, so oftentimes the Mercedarians would exchange themselves their, 
their persons for the slaves, and, and they would be, and the slaves could be set free. Um, sometimes um, the mercedarians even lost their lives in, in attempting to redeem slaves. So we have um, martyrs for the faith. We have people who who died attempting to um, free Christian captives. But the primary purpose of of the order was and is to um, to go and visit Christian captives who were in danger of losing their faith and, and then to to redeem them. And then once once the um, the early mercedarians, once the friars redeemed them, once they brought them out of Muslim territory and into um, Christian held territory, the, the, the friars would then um, reintegrate them into their their home countries and they would reintegrate them by taking care of them physic physically psychologically and and spiritually so they would provide for their physical needs um you, you know nurse them back to health if they were sick um catechize them give um provide them with the sacraments and, and so forth so um so our, our purpose was to to go and to go to the and and free those Christians held in captivity and 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 we we try to do that today. We try to go and visit Christian captives who are held um, today. Though um, we we try to go to where people are in danger of losing their faith and to go and visit and redeem them, just like the. Um, early mercedarians did so in the case of Anne's um ministry the saint raymond and not his foundation many people who um who've had a divorce many people who've experienced a divorce they feel cut off from god they feel cut off from the church um and and this can be a a temptation for them this can be an obstacle to them um and and they can lose their faith because of this i mean just a couple of weeks ago, I, I met a, a man at the hospital who um, he, he said to me, you know, oh, I'm divorced. I can't receive the sacraments. And, and, and then so I said to him, um, you know, have you have you remarried or and he said no. And I said, well, in that case, there's no obstacle to you um, participating fully in the life of the church. Um, and, and so um, oftentimes people who are divorced. They feel cut off from the church. They feel cut off from God. And many times they, they're given incomplete or um, erroneous information about the church's teachings and practices regarding divorced persons. So um, so in the case of the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation, you know, um, it, it, it seeks to accompany people who are um, in danger of losing their faith in a in a very concrete way, and um, you know, in, in terms of the hospital ministry, it's the same um, same dynamic. Um, you know, we we try to go and I try to go and I I, I I literally visit the people who are sick, and because of their sickness and because of their pain, they can be they can easily fall into despair and and lose their faith or. Um, or become angry with God, or, or often feel they feel alienated from from God, 
um, in the midst of their sickness. And you go and you you visit them and um, pray with them, encourage them, uh, provide them with the sacraments to um, to 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 help to redeem them and to and to to let them know that God is with them. And so um, and, and, and you know whatever ministry we are engaged in, whatever ministry we um, fulfill as mercedarians, that's what we try to do. We try to uh, visit the captives and, and redeem the captives and free those who are held uh, captive and who are in danger of losing their faith. It's so beautiful. Uh, I can't tell you how honored I am to be mercedarian uh, to be the director for the St. Raymond Anonis Foundation, but also I'm a third order member too, and oh, get great. to pray those same prayers that all of you pray uh, for those who are, as you said, in danger of losing their faith. You know, it's so important right now because so many people are truly in danger because of a lot of different circumstances, whether it be Absolutely. sickness, whether it be something to do with, um, you know, uh, job loss or, or relationships that are ending, uh, drug use, alcohol, whatever. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that make people in danger of losing their faith. Yeah. So what is that like for you, Father, if you don't mind telling us? Because isn't it an honor? I know you agree uh, to, to do this because we know that, you know, in the Bible, it tells us that we are to go and seek the lost. You know, that that one person out of ninety nine. Uh, and be that be to be like Jesus and making that uh, making that outreach to them to let them know how much God loves them and wishes for them to stay close and not to lose their faith. Oh, absolutely! And like like you said, we we do it in a variety of ways. And um, some of the things that we do are, um, you know, you know, they can be done by they they're, th these are actions that are done by other priests and by other religious but um as mercedarians we try to do do them with the redemptive spirit you know ever um many many religious orders staff parishes many religious orders teach and many religious orders are prison chaplains or hospital chaplains but we we try to do it with a with the spirit of um uh, of redemption we try to do every, all of our actions in light of the um, um, our redemptive charism. Yeah, yes. it's very beautiful. It's very beautiful. And, you know, I, I really like what you guys were just talking about, too, about, you know, this, this whole redemption and this entire idea that uh, because there are so many people out there, as you guys just said, there are so many people out there who are in danger of losing their faith. And one of the things that I was just thinking about while you guys were talking was, um, you know, I, I forget which gospel it's in, but, you know, where, where you know, Jesus tells Peter that, you know, uh, he, that his faith in him is going to be shaken, and he's going to deny him three times, right? Like, like it, it can be some of the most faith-filled people that can have their faith shaken, right? And and when, when you look at... Um, you know, the circumstances of our world, many people who have been very faithful to the church, who have been, um, who have been, you know, uh, out there ministering, uh, and for whatever reason, 
their faith now is is shaken and it's and it's in danger of being lost and and so you know I, I would love to know you know what what some of your thoughts father are on that where you know there have been people that have been you know faithful Catholics feel like they have been you know um, you know living their faith to the best of their ability but but this event this societal event has just uh, you know, made them really, really rethink life and rethink their faith. And you know, how do we, how do we overcome that doubt and that and that fear in in this environment that we that, that we live in? Because it seems just be changing by the second, almost. Um, yeah, no doubt. It. Um, you know, I've only been ordained ten years, and I, I can, I can, I can sense that. Our culture is becoming very um, secularized very quickly, and it seems like it's happened um, very dramatically and very rapidly, like within the past maybe four or five years. Um, it, it seems like we've um, had that our culture has been increasingly secular and less dependent upon. Um, the church and less dependent upon traditional religion. Um, but I, I think it, I, I think it's a very complex phenomenon. I, I, I don't know how, if we can reduce it to only a couple of things, but it, it seems to me that um, our culture is experiencing a, um, a distrust or, and even a disdain of of any of all traditional institutions, whether it be the family, or or um, politics, or and even religious figures, so there's there's really an anti-establishment, um, anti-institutional feeling that that the church also um, is experiencing is is a victim of, and I um, and and as I said. Um, and our, our culture is becoming increasingly secular, particularly among the millennials. I, I read I read a survey a couple months ago that said that um, between that men that forty percent of men between the ages of eighteen and twenty five are atheist. They don't believe in God at all. Um, and 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 so so yeah, the the church and the faith is. is it is experiencing a crisis right now, and I, I I wish I could say it's getting better. It's going to get better, but I think things are going to get worse before they get better. Um, I um, I, and I don't. Again, I don't know what the cause of it is. I think I think there's many causes to it. The sex abuse scandal hasn't helped, but I I think generally though, um, we live in a culture that is is disdainful and distrustful of of um, all religious and of all institutions, whether it be government or education or even even the medical establishment. I think, um, and and the church is part of the establishment. The church is seen as part of is seen as an institution, and so therefore, um, people distrust it. Um, 
so um i think i think i think what we have to do as christians is um just live out our faith in a day-to-day -day, in our day-to-day -day lives in a very authentic way i think i think um i think the challenge for us is just to be um the best christians that we can in the midst of these difficulties too and to really maybe focus on cleaning up our own house um you know um focusing on on strengthening our own families our own schools and our own parishes and and really try to be uh, um very zealous and very faithful to the gospel and and from and by being faithful and zealous um we can be a light to the world um but um but i i think i think it's um things are very difficult right now and they're they're going to be they're going to get more difficult but but um god god gives us a grace we need to be faithful to our vocations whatever the diff whatever the difficulties may be in a particular culture. I love how you said that in a very honest way that yes, things don't look like they're getting any better. And step one sometimes in making any kind of changes uh, in any way, whether it be just in our general lives or spirituality is just to take an honest look, right? So when you take that honest look, you say, hmm, Things don't look like they're really improving, but the best way to take a step forward is to work on our own lives, our own families, our own communities, schools, or religious orders, if you know, you're religious like you are, or, or diocese, archdiocese, taking that honest look and then taking a step forward and saying, you know what, we're being who God made us to be right at this moment. And that's the best way that we can evangelize people, right? I, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's what what I'm kind of hearing, and I think um, you're giving great advice. I, I, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that's I, I think that's really the um, the only I, to me. I, I think that's a, the only path forward. You know, um, Benedict talked about this, and I believe in very early Pope Benedict the Sixteenth when he was um, Father Ratzinger. And he, he spoke about this in the late 60s and early 70s about how the church was going and the future was going to be a lot smaller and how the church was going to be much more compact and how um, we were going to lose the social privileges we have. We were going to lose our wealth. But, but, um, but from out of that, though, the church would emerge more faithful and more zealous and stronger than she ever has been. So um, so we have to just have hope and faith. That's right, that's right. Thank you so much for sharing. So fast forward to Our Lady of Mount Carmel, <laughs> where you are right now. And uh, Father Joseph Eddy is the pastor who's also a part of the foundation that I represent, which is, uh, as you said, the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family and Faith. So you're there with Father Joseph and also with uh, Father Daniel Bowen, who's also been a wonderful guest here on, on Sewing Hope and also on uh, the online TV show called Journeys in Faith, which is on Fiat Ministry Network. I want to say hi to them because they're streaming this right now too on Facebook. 
Um, so tell us about uh, your community there, because we're so grateful for you and Father Daniel and also Father Joseph for the wonderful work that you're doing to bring the faith to people there in the Cleveland, Ohio area, as well as St. Rocco. I can't forget, right? We can't That's forget right. we your, have, your other church yeah, we, over there, uh, yeah, St. We, Rocco's. Yeah, we have two parishes here in Cleveland, St. Rocco's and um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Um, they're both ethnic Italian parishes, traditionally. Um, St. Rocco's was founded in the early 1920s. Mount Carmel, Our Lady of Mount Carmel was founded in the mid 1950s. Um, and, and we were, we came, the Mercedarians came to the United States to minister to the Italian immigrants. Um, because, um, as you know, um, you know, we have different waves of immigrants, you know, it began with the Irish. And then after the Irish, um, you had um, what Germans and other um, Central European peoples. And then you had a wave of Italians at the early 20th century. And we we came we came to the um, United we came to the United States. The Mercedarians came to the United States from Italy to minister to the um, Italian immigrants because the Italian immigrants were um, very much in danger of losing their faith because they were they were in a foreign country with a, a foreign culture and they they did not have priests to um, minister to them so they didn't have anyone to hear their confession and confessions or to to preach and they they didn't have their um, traditional Italian devotional life and so the the Mercedarians were asked by the bishop of um, Cleveland to come uh, to to minister to the Italian immigrants, and we be, the order began in Youngstown, which is um, south of Cleveland, but then eventually moved up to Cleveland, um, and um, they 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 started at Saint Rocco, and then from Saint Rocco, they they established a parish here at of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. As I said, both are traditionally Italian, but now, but now we're very diverse. Both, wow, both parishes have, both parishes have schools um, and, and both are in the inner city um, in neighborhoods that, and, you know, very um, difficult neighborhoods. Um, St. Rocco's more so than Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, the neighborhood around Mount Carmel has been revitalized lately. Um, they've had um, middle class and up, even upper middle class houses and apartments that have sprung up. So, so they've had development around Mount Carmel and, um, but the neighborhood around St. Rocco's is still tough, but there's, there's, there's hope there but um so so we both these are both small inner city parishes um and like like um like like many inner city parishes in the northeast and midwest um it, you know there are challenges for both of these parishes but 
um, but we do our best and we, we continue to try to fulfill our um, apostolate within within these parishes. Um, within my with my community, we have Father Joseph, who's a pastor, um, Father Daniel, who's a vocation director, and myself. Um, we 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 did father I, I i was in florida but um i got reassigned to cleveland in late may and, um because of the death of father archangelo monzi who um died from covid so we had so um the covid covid 19 touched our community in a very real way father arch Angela Monzi was a older priest. I think he was in his early 80s when he um, passed away from COVID. Yes, thank you for sharing. I do remember that. And of course, lift up my prayers uh, for his soul and his family and also for all of you and losing a friar to COVID-19. You know, it's very real. And you were mentioning uh, your different communities there, St. Rocco's, the pastor there is Father James Mayer, and also, of course, Father James Chia's uh, at, at St. Rocco's, too. Say a warm hello to them. And Father they Pat. Listening. And Father yeah, Pat, Father, too. Yeah, Father Pat Singer. That's so we, right. have, we have six friars here in Cleveland currently, so... Well, we're so grateful. I'm so grateful to all of you there in Cleveland for the wonderful work that you're doing to really be Jesus, right? To, 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 to follow in his ways for the people in those communities. Uh, now, I know that COVID has uh, affected you in the fact that you even lost a friar to COVID-19. Now, how is it now for the two communities with the school? Because I know that you said that there's school there and I uh, wondered how things are going with the families there getting the kids back to school. Um, from what I understand, um, I don't, the school, the school children have here at Mount Carmel, the school children, I think we have about 215 students at our school. Um, and the school children have the option, the parents have the option of either sending their children to school every day in person or um, completing their coursework by the internet. And I believe that the majority have decided to um, complete their, uh, to go in person. I think there's 60 children out of the 210 that are, um, that are working from home. Um, but 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 you know we're undertaking measures to ensure their safety and their health by by cleaning the school on a regular basis by practicing social distancing requiring mask. Um, but so so we're doing our best to to continue um, educating the children to continue to have a, a normal um, school day. Uh, uh, um, a, a normal curriculum so that we can um, have a sense of normality uh, in the children's lives. Yeah, it's so important because uh, as you said, I mean, the church was kind of going through some hardships before COVID, but COVID has made such an impact 
in every way, even educationally, right? I mean, Absolutely. and that certainly does affect family life, you know, when the kids are always home instead of at school. So it's very nice to hear that you're offering that option yeah. so that they can go to school if they're able to. And um, I offer my own prayers for both of your communities because you said there are schools at both St. Rocco's and over at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. That's correct, yes. Yeah. So um and 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 hopefully um hopefully everything will go well with um with our schools and 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 we'll be able to get this behind us and to to move on with our lives. That's that's what I'm praying for, just a sense of more um just a, a just a renewed sense of um just to get back to our normal way of living. Um, we, we, we so need that now. Amen. Amen. Hey, I know that you're with Father Daniel there in community, Father Daniel Bowen. As I said, he's been a guest on Sowing Hope and also on Journeys in Faith. He, he's the vocation director. That's right. Um, I would just ask you if you could share with us, you know, maybe there's somebody listening who's possibly discerning some kind of a vocation. Yeah. So if they're di discerning a vocation and they're thinking about maybe the Mercedarian religious order, um, what was it about the order that you liked enough to decide to become Mercedarian as opposed to a diocesan or archdiocese priest? Um, well, I mean, the, the, the lifestyles between a um, diocesan priest or a, and a religious priest are very, very different. They're, they're, they're different vocations. Um, if you're called to be a, um, they're, they're, they're separate, call, they're different callings, very unique callings. Um, a religious priest, he takes vows of um, poverty, chastity, and obedience, and he lives in a community typically with, with his um, fellow religious. So, um, he'll live in a monastery if he's a monk or a friary or some type of religious house. Um, and um, again, he takes the, the three evangelical vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And as Mercedarians, we take the fourth vow of um, redemption. A, a diocesan priest, um, he he doesn't take, he, he does not live necessarily in community. He may live with other priests. He may be assigned to a parish where they have a, a pastor and a couple associate pastors and a priest may live, a, a t maybe a high school teacher will live in residence with them or a chaplain will live in residence with them, but they don't live in community. And um, even though they may live in the same house, they may not necessarily even eat together or pray together. Um, you know, they, they live very independent lives. Some of them may come together as a community, but, but for the most part, they, um, they, they don't. Um, so they're very, very different lifestyles. And I, I, I felt called to religious life because, um, because religious perform a variety of different ministries. And, and I was attracted to community life because um, I, I just I just thought that um, living in community was was very important and and, um, and I thought that religious life was a way 
to uh, to radically live the gospel. It was a way to um, to more radically live the gospel and to um, and to to become to become a um, to become holier um, for, for me. Um, and and what attracted me to the Mercedarians was. Um, I, 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 I like the Mercedarians because they were a smaller community. So, it, it, um, and that has paused, you know, so, so it was more like a family feeling. And, and also I, I was attracted to their charism, to their, um, to their long history, to their, um, and, and to the fact that they're faithful to the church. And, and faithful to the teachings of the church and and to um, the magisterium that was very important to me yeah I I, I love to hear about the Mercedarian order because uh, I mean it's close to my heart <laughs> and uh, I came upon the the Mercedarian order about I don't know I guess it was eight or eight years ago or so uh, doing some research looking for a spiritual director. And the first person I met was Father Daniel. So it was uh, an amazing thing to meet Father Daniel, who has such a, a great faith story. And I just encourage people to go back and listen to one of the episodes from Sowing Hope as Father Daniel gave his whole uh, vocation story, which is, was also amazing that he was also a convert, just like you. And... Um, so it's such a blessing. Now, I would love to invite people again, please do check out and learn more about the Mercedarian Religious Order uh, at orderofmercy.org. Uh, they are in uh, four sections of the United States. Uh, in uh, Cleveland, which is where uh, Father Justin is from, and also Philadelphia, St. Petersburg, Florida, and also Western New York. So um, is there anything else about the order that you think would be interesting for people to know or research about? Um, Maybe they're saints. They have some yeah. amazing saints. Yeah, our saints, many of our saints aren't very well known. Um, Peter, like Peter Piscassius, um, our most famous, our most common, our most well-known saint is um, St. Raymond Anatus, and he is the um patron saint of expectant mothers he's a patron saint of expectant mothers do you know why Anne? well doesn't it have to do with his own story that's yes that's yeah. true yeah because he was born i know he was born of cesarean section that's right and, and, his, and own na his name means nonatus means not born correct that's right yeah that's right tell us more um, well, he was, yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was born, um, as Anne said, by cesarean section. And because of this, um, women who are, who, who are experiencing difficulty conceiving or um, children, they pray to him and they seek his intercession. And um, as an order, we have um, a St. Raymond Anatis um, kit that, kit with um blessed oil and a book that you can buy uh, that that you can obtain um and and you can you can obtain the book and pray for saint raymond's intercession and if you want to so if you're experiencing fertility issues or um 
or you want to pray for your family or for your children, you can just write to the order at orderofmercy.org and we can um, provide you with that. Um, and, and he's also the patron of family life. And, and, and so we, we, so every day as a community, we pray to St. Raymond and we, we ask him to intercede for, for families. Yeah, it's so That's good to hear. Beautiful. And as I said, I am so grateful to be even a part of this mission of St. Raymond Onata's foundation. And also he's the patron of family life. And another one that you don't hear as often, and I think it does relate to the mission of the foundation of those who are falsely accused. Uh, when you have someone who's falsely accused, someone, sometimes when a person experiences divorce and separation, they can be the person that's falsely accused in some way or another. Uh, an right. interesting thing, but it's something to pray about that those people who are experiencing and have gone through divorce, separation, or annulment that St. Raymond Onatus is actually the saint for you as well. Mm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Uh, this has been just a great podcast and a great conversation. Um, so many great, uh, wide-ranging, diverse topics <laughs> we've delved into, and, and it's such a great, um, great thing. I really encourage people to listen to this again, because there's so much packed into this. Um, and, and, you know... Father, you've just done a great job uh, really highlighting so many different aspects of, of not only your ministry, but uh, your life, your journey, the, the foundation, uh, the St. Raymond Anonymous Foundation, but also uh, just the Mercedarians. So, so thank you so much for, for pouring all of your knowledge and, and, and really your heart. You can tell your heart so, so much behind this. And, uh, and so thank you for your witness, and thank you so much for your... Um, for your time tonight to, to really uh, share with our listeners this, this great mission. Um, I, I, I do want to ask you uh, quickly as we're wrapping things up, Father, uh, to kind of give us a bl your blessing, uh, because, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you right before the show, I said, you know, uh, priestly blessings are so important and, and so needed and so wonderful, um, and uh, us laity can't give them. So it would be wonderful, uh, since you're on the air with us live, to uh, give us your blessing uh, tonight uh, for, uh, for anyone listening or listening to this on demand. Sure. Um, and, and again, thank you, Anne, and thank you, um, Bill, for um, giving me this opportunity. And um, I, I, I hope it was informative. For, for someone out there. Um, may the blessings of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. 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 Father, thank you so much. Uh, it, was, it was a wonderful podcast, and we'd love to have you back again. God bless you, Father. God bless you. God bless you both. Bye-bye. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much uh, for tuning in tonight uh, to the Sewing Hope podcast. For Anna Santis, I'm Bill Snyder. Thank you so much for being here and tuning in. As always, go over to our websites, patchworkheart.org and asantis.com for more information about us. Until next time, keep sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com.
pwhministries.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at pwhministry or andysantis2. Okay. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.